Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 song does my head in but let's put that to one side shall we hello welcome to culture fear um this episode i sat down with sarah from pillow queens and had an incredible conversation so thank you to sarah for that um but before i get into that i'm just like to talk for a few minutes um about the situation the incredible incredible um, protests that we're seeing around the world um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, yeah, I'll, all I'll say is, as a white person, what I believe I will say to fellow white people: um, you need, we need to listen. We need to educate ourselves. Uh, we need to have the conversations with the people around us. Um, for myself things that have been formative to me uh, in my idea of the racist institutions um, that we're surrounded in would be so for me was listening to Dead Prez album Get Free was incredibly formative it put me onto reading by people like Malcolm X Fred Hampton and Asata uh, Shakur I would highly recommend those three people to read about that album, to listen to. Um, in the UK, an incredible place to start your reading would be Rennie Edo Lodge. Why I'm No Longer Speaking to White People About Race, which also has an accompanying podcast, and also Akala's Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. Both those books are incredible, and they talk about the... Uh, the situation in Britain and the black British experience and how that is informed by the white supremacist structures that we have in Britain. Um, yeah. Um, and then what I will say is that where you are, there will be organisations and groups that are doing incredible, incredible action and work in your local community. Look for them in Sheffield. The ones that I am aware of would be... Um, there are anti-raids or there's a new anti-raids organization if you want to get involved message me the nature of the work is that it's not plastered around online um so yeah please get in touch if you want to get involved with that um there's a prison abolition group that that does um workshops um which is incredible and the conversation on prison abolition is just in a place now that if you told me a year ago, if you told me two weeks ago, I would have been incredibly shocked and inspired. I'm incredibly inspired. Um, so, and also in Doncaster, I believe, just outside Doncaster, there are talks of um, they want to open a new prison. Um, so we need to try and, we need to protest that as, and we need to make sure that that does not get built. Um, and we also have the incredible Mag which is the South Yorkshire Migrant and Asylum Action Group, who are doing incredible work 
making sure I'll just redistributing food and hygiene packs to um, the urban house detention hostel in Wakefield, um, where 270 people are forced to live in poor, unsanitary conditions. Um, the residents have actually been on strike, which people that are in detention rarely go on strike because of the incredible power that the system has over them. And that is just, uh, you know, they're forced to share rooms with strangers. There's dirty toilets, broken showers. And this is all during the pandemic, of course. Pregnant women are still in an urban house and there is no food and very little, no special food for pregnant women. There's 15 children in this and the food that people are getting, you know, just for food, for, for one of the meals is just bread with butter and jam. Like, it's just disgraceful. Um, at the moment, just uh, I am running 150 kilometers this month, which is treble the amount I've ever ran in a month um, to raise money for Siamag. If you want to check that out, then I guess you go on GoFundMe forward slash fundraiser forward slash run the number four Siamag, S-Y-M-A-A-G, run for Siamag. Um, your money will be incredibly welcome for Siamag who do incredible things. Um, but yeah, my main takeaway from listening to people is that people want you to show up. They want to see your face regularly. They want to know that you care. Um, that, and then through showing up, you do. that's when you do more and more incredible work. Your money is obviously great. And unfortunately, money is what money is what talks in this um, in like the system that we have. But showing up is incredibly important for so many different reasons. Is what I've listened to and what I have learned. Um, and also, if you're listening to this in Ireland, hopefully you will know because Pillow Queens have raised money. But um, there's the incredible Massey, M-A-S-I, the Movement of Asylum Seekers in Ireland organisation. There's a grassroots group formed by asylum seekers to end campaign against direct provision, the portions and defend the right to claim asylum. Uh, I talked to Sarah about direct provision in this conversation. This conversation was before um, any of this, kind of before the eruption of these protests in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, we talked about direct provision and check out Massey. Um, I guess that's that's everything really. But thank you for listening. And yeah, uh, we get onto this conversation with Sarah, who is incredible uh, person and thoughtful. So it's like really nice to pick her brain. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. If you want a conversation with me, feel free to get at me at culturefear online or email culturefear at gmail.com, I imagine it is. I can't remember. But yes, take care of your loved ones. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Keep on reading. Keep on learning. Love you all. And I'll catch you at the end of this podcast. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Um, had a lovely day here in Sheffield. It's really warm. So, and like there's no clouds in the sky. So just went for a lovely walk this afternoon. Amazing. Um, feel great. How are you? 
Yeah, really good. Well, I'm working from home at the moment, so I was refreshing my emails for a few hours, trying to think of something to do to make me look productive in work. But failing that, I went to the beach and got an ice cream and walked my dog. So it's been really good. Nice. Are you close by the beach? Uh, we're like 20 minutes outside um but we had to we had to like send a bunch of t-shirts off as well so we needed to take a trip out and then it was like oh let's just go to the beach for a little while too make it worthwhile nice did you have a dip no absolutely not it's actually kind of cold on the beach um i think i don't know i'd say if i wasn't in dublin i would be all over that but the seas in dublin are just a little bit gross yeah was it was it busy at all it was quite busy, yeah. There's a lot of people out walking. Yeah, this weekend's supposed to be, um, I mean, we're saying this on a podcast weeks after it happened, but mm. it's supposed to be really hot and I, God forbid, I dare to think what the beach is and any kind of green space is going to look like. It's kind of scary. Like, I'm obviously, I'm completely bored of being in isolation and not seeing people and I'm really excited for gigs to happen and everything, but seeing people crowded on the beach in in this hot weather i'm like please stay inside because we're going to be here for like the next year if everybody starts <laughs> congregating in packs again yeah for sure um ah <laughs> uh, yeah sad to think would have you were you have you missed out like did you have quite a lot did you have anything booked up yeah we had a fair bit so we're putting out an album in september and we kind of had a tour booked off the back of that. So I was like, UK and Europe. So that's not going ahead. And then there was all the summer festivals in Ireland as well. Some we hadn't even announced yet. So there was a lot on the cards. And then obviously that was all pulled. But I mean, it's such a, it's obviously a pity, but everybody's in the same boat. So we can't be too upset yeah. about it. It's it's fine. It'll be there when, when this is all over. We'll have fun again. Yeah. Would this have been Pillow Queen's second maybe third year of like having a few festivals in the summer yeah probably yeah maybe second or third not third i'd say um but this was kind of like especially in ireland this was going to be the year that we're doing like a couple of the main stages and stuff so it was was going to be a bit of a bigger deal um we were working on like visuals and that sort of thing um which we never would have done like playing tiny pubs and stuff we never had a need to but um it's kind of cool having the opportunity to play bigger stages and you get to do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, we, we put that on the back burner. We're just focusing on putting, putting the album out. We're putting it out ourselves. We're doing a co-release with a, a label in Germany, but um, for UK and Ireland, we're putting it out ourselves. So there's been a lot of work to do on that, that I guess I never realized went into albums before. just like logistical stuff. Um, but yeah, we've just been busy doing that and we're focusing on getting the, we'll, we will focus on getting the live show together when we can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, you've, I remember when maybe it was quite a few, quite a little while ago actually at this point, but like, um, you played that show with future islands that when I saw a video, it's like yeah. huge stage. How was, how, how have you, do you feel like you're like, you you're you're grand like you're really comfortable with the big stages at this point or is it yeah it was it was really strange so I mean that show was incredible but like we were on very first I think we played to like 25 people and it was like a thousands and thousands capacity and obviously like idols were on that bill and future islands and they played to thousands of people but we only played to like a few of the stragglers coming in the gate at four o'clock um (laughs) but we were just kind of finding our feet at that stage but we went on tour with 
Zoak around the UK and Europe yeah. after that. And she plays like quite a few big stages. So we had the opportunity to play kind of bigger stages then and we got a bit more comfortable doing that. It's nice to be able to move around. And obviously like small shows are really fun because you kind of have that crowd engagement and there's nothing you just can't compare to that. But yeah, having a big stage is, yeah, it's fun. You get to like, yeah, just like run around, move around, just make a bit of a show of it. Are you still swapping the bass and the guitar every now and again? Yeah. So actually that's been a, a problem with the bigger stages. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, you're like edging your way towards the end of a song. Like, so you're not running over halfway like, oh, in between the yeah. song. We tried to plan the set around it so that we only have to swap like one or two times during the set. But um, I think probably, well, hopefully the plan is we're going to have a bass each and a guitar each for when we go yeah. for the next time. It makes more sense. But uh Oh, yeah, that was difficult. <laughs> I mean, great, great problems to have when you're yeah. like, especially like, how was it the first time? Had you like thought about that before? Or was it like first time no. you like finished the song and you look around and you're like, oh, fuck. Seriously, I remember it so well. Like the Future Islands gig was the first big stage that we played. And I remember we went to the music shop the music shop that day and we bought like really long cables because we're like okay this is what we need we just need like cables that are going to stretch from the back of the stage to the front of the stage and then we're sorted and then we went to swap instruments and I was like oh shit we didn't think about this like all the all the really long cables getting tangled around each other we're tripping over them tripping over each other I was it was actually it was such a funny day um so we decided to have a second guitar amp to try and like I guess we had maybe thought of the bass guitar switching thing so like we had a second guitar amp we'd have two guitars so at least we wouldn't have to swap the guitars out but we'd only bought the amp like a week beforehand and we played around with it at practice but the circuit board got completely fried on the amp I don't know how it uh. had happened uh, it broke during sound check and we had to borrow I think was it Mercury Rev or on the line of theory to borrow their amp um it was just yeah it was hilarious everything that could go wrong did go wrong it was still a fun day (laughs) (laughs) that's good because um you know i guess some we sometimes we struggle with like we being i guess the human condition of Mm -hmm. like fixating on the things that but it's nice to be like it was fun and goofy and yeah yeah. I, i like forgot half a song as well like the lyrics to half a song and i was freaking out and I think we were only playing to our guest list as I said it was like 20 people or something that were there like my sister and her wife were there and like a lot of our friends and they were like god did you change the lyrics to that song like I didn't recognize it at all and I was like no I just sang the chorus over and over and over again because I couldn't think of anything else to sing it's like um did you see Elton John singing I'm still standing but like in his no. garden no he, he's just like I guess he's been singing that song for so long and he did this like um pandemic like solidarity with people struggling concert and he's just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly what it was like (laughs) oh but um oh that's amazing um and i guess it's like nice that like i guess some people playing that stage is like a cool thing where it's like oh we get to play this big stage and like this is like we're never going to do this again but it's like I've it's really nice to think like that's part of like 
Pillow Queens is like Ascend is like yeah the first time like but but not like necessarily the last time and obviously the future shows that it's definitely not the last time yeah I mean I so hope so. it's funny process. it definitely felt like yeah what you're saying it felt like it was a, a stepping stone um to hopefully play into more than you know 20 people at, on that kind of stage <laughs> but it's funny because we're just coming up to like a two-year anniversary of that gig so like it just and like we haven't obviously we've played like big stages since but that show was kind of a monumental one to be on that lineup so um it's just yeah it's interesting how much we did in that first year of being pillow queens like it was just straight on a uk tour and then like just straight back on a uk tour and then we were playing like we did like the american football sport and pussy ride sport and then we did future islands and idols and it was like a crazy crazy first year and things have not necessarily slowed down but definitely the the contrast between the tiny shows we were playing at the very beginning and like that stage that sort of momentum has definitely slowed down or like steadied a little bit Um, and but I think it kind of had to because we wanted to write and release the album and we sort of felt like we were saying yes to everything just so we could keep going keep going keep going but it meant we'd no time to write or record or make any release plans or anything. Yeah, yeah, because I guess like looking back in twenty years time, you want like you're gonna you'll obviously have the amazing memories, hmm. but like if you're saying yes to everything and eight months of the year is like chock a block with like cool stuff, yeah, and then you put an album out where you think, oh, we probably could have like spent a little bit more time. Where like instead you've got like four to five months of like incredible stuff, yeah. but you're also like, no, we actually made the sacrifice and we like really made the record that we wanted to make. Mm-hmm. I think we've we've definitely had a chance to do that now with everything shutting down and like we've, we're not playing any gigs, and we're you know we're in the process at the moment of just getting masters back of the album, um, and we're like sequencing the record and like mm. we've I think we're on the sixth version now and we're like yeah but maybe fade it like a half second earlier and like these are things that we never would have had the opportunity to do if like we had been rushing to get a press because I think we we initially were going to have the album out in April um, okay. and then all this happened and we're like I will push it back there's no point in having it out in April so we're going to do a single uh, in early June and then another single and then the album's going to come out so just try and I guess drag it out a little bit longer because we can't do live shows so yeah yeah and i guess that's like the um freedom that you have having more um like putting it out yourself mm-hmm. do you kind of get to do what you want with the people that you've brought on to do pr or like management and stuff but like you it's not like a label being like right here's x y and z you're yeah. or abc it's like you're making the ABC as well as other people. And then mm-hmm. you get to all be like, no, nah, yeah, this, this sounds like a good idea. Yeah. It's quite cool. Like I think when we were writing the album, we kind of had this idea of like, Oh, we'll find a label and like, we'll put it out on the label. And obviously like things don't happen like that. Um, hmm. Like we've had a million conversations with labels, but like because we'd want to release now or, when we wanted to release in April or because labels kind of have their schedule till like, you know, mid 2021 already picked and, and sorted out that it's like, Oh, okay. Maybe we'll do this one ourselves and, and see what happens for album two. Um, but yeah, it's definitely made the journey a lot smoother 
in terms of like we don't have to rush through decision making so like the sequencing of the album or we're working on t-shirt design at the moment we're also working through album cover and like going back and forth through fonts you just would never have the time to do that if you were like touring or if you kind of had deadlines from a label you'd never have the time to be like mm, maybe that font but maybe if it was a little fancier you know it's just yeah <laughs> yeah things to be mulling over but it's cool to feel like you have that creative control yeah that's that's awesome that's really great. Um, one thing I've written down actually is a note which you kind of um, brushed upon. I literally just wrote "Pillow Queen" straight out the traps, um, <laughs> and it really like felt like obviously um, I was just an internet click away. So whether I was seeing it the same as you, but it did seem like you know you came out and like especially like I think that like a first record being like a seven inch is quite a statement. Maybe not for other people, but maybe. And maybe it's not for you, but like it feels like it could have been for you as a band being like, we're going to invest in like a format that kind of needs to be sold. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I mean, what you say, like straight out the traps, I think we were all like the four of us were so excited to just do it. We had it like in us. We had just wrote all these songs straight away and we were like, okay, we want to, we want to release, we want to tour. We want people to like know these songs. We want them to sing them back to us. And we had that motivation to really do it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's strange because we also were like, oh, let's just release these as a demo online and see what happens. But we maybe knew or hoped or were optimistic that something would happen. Um, so then I remember like I sent them to Specialist Subject uh, and I was like, I don't know if you care about these this, uh, these songs, but like I'm influenced by loads of bands that you've worked with, and like maybe you'll know like what we should do with these songs, or maybe somebody you know will care about them or whatever. And um, Andrew and Kay from Specialist got back, and they were like, Yeah, we'll put this out. We'll put this out in seven inches. I was like, What? Like, is that how it works? Um, I've learned since that's not how it works, and they're just uh, an anomaly. Um, but it was it was great timing. It was really good because, yeah, when we did that first UK tour, being able to have like seven inches on sale was, I don't know, it was just, it felt like a moment. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then um, that, yeah, that is, and then you quickly came out with like the, the 12 inch um, like EP as well, right? Yeah. That was very, it seemed quick. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I think we had what we had the album in mind even then so I was like oh let's just put these songs out and then we can start working on the album and then because all the the live shows started happening and, and there were just like huge opportunities we we didn't want to turn down uh, the recording of the album always got pushed back and pushed back so it really was like we did so much in the beginning and then we were still doing so much in terms of touring um but we haven't released anything in ages and so I'm really excited to get like a physical album out there it's just like so cool yeah because the um the single like since then it does seem like quite a like it's like it doesn't not sound like pillow queens but it's like seems like an evolution mm. like do you think that the album if you weren't being offered those you'd have written a different record to the one that's going to be coming out later in the year oh or definitely is, definitely yeah, yeah. 
it did like I think a lot of those songs were born live and I think as we started to play the bigger stages we kind of became a bit more ambitious we started writing for bigger stages so it was like okay how would this sound you know on a festival stage or how would this sound on like a bigger stage and you know in just between like what guitar effect we were using and the different styles of singing we yeah. were just being a little bit more ambitious those first songs were written to be played in basements and in in venues in like tiny venues and that kind of thing and that really works but like those songs don't work as well on bigger stages so that's why we wrote sort of differently for the album I think yeah that's so cool because I guess they're like you know the way that like gay girls hit with people is like was just incredible to see Mm. but like like you said, you wrote those for like when you first started, like let's write songs that people can sing along with. But like both like gay girls and the songs before, like they're both sing along kind of, Mm -hmm. but in a completely like, you know, you have an anthem, but, and then you have a song that people can shout in your face in a room with like (laughs) 75 other people in this cathartic, like way that like, you're totally aware of but the people singing along to gay girls that have like checked you out before you play for with like future islands mm. and like love that song are like s- singing along in a different way yeah i actually I, think that might have been the first time we played gay girls live was that gig okay yeah and it, it just worked really well i remember like one of my friends saying that oh i was like close to tears and had had shivers and i think we were really nervous about playing it because it wasn't I was going to say it wasn't like a three chord song. I'd say it is three or four chords actually, but like <laughs> <laughs> it was slightly more complex than what we had written before. So we were quite nervous about bringing it to the table. I think it was that key change that happened. We thought it was a bit Westlife or something. So we're a bit nervous about it. I mean, if someone knows how to write sing-alongs at, <laughs> in big theatres and uh, open air spaces in Ireland, it's probably Westlife, isn't it? True, that's true. <laughs> don't knock him (laughs) (laughs) oh amazing um yeah so um how how were the like so were were people into pillow queens in like dublin pretty early on would you say were you like pretty excited about the response that your songs were getting yeah so we we put the the demo out and then we immediately announced a gig so we hadn't played live before um we organized a gig for uh dog rescue um and got like amazing Dublin bands to play sissy bitch falcon girlfriend uh and basically like announced ourselves as well as as playing and that was just like we're not going to say anything really we're just going to like play and then that that sold out and we were like okay well obviously it sold out because of this incredible lineup that we have but then when we came on stage like everyone was singing the songs from the demo back to us and I was like, <laughs> oh okay so like some of you are here for us this is cool um and yeah there was sort of a similar vibe I think our second gig was like a ones to watch thing in Dublin and like a similar thing happened except it was like industry people there as well so i was like oh here's these industry people seeing these people singing our songs back to us at our second gig like this bodes well for us um and then we started getting kind of you know opportunities from there um i think when we started getting excited was when we brought out our first t-shirt and yeah. they just sold loads and we'd like see people walking around the streets wearing them and we're like oh i don't know you 
Where did you get that? <laughs> when you not, would nod to someone and they look at you like you're like a leper. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is my Pilipine shirt. I'm like, oh, cool. That's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the, um, like, I guess I've I got... Um, excited because you jumped straight in with pillar queens and mm. I, I was gonna say like so what was did you have a thought did so how long had you like known each other and like was there a thought process process i don't i never a thought <laughs> process behind like pillow queens of like let's just book a practice or was it like this is what we want to do like what was the idea so i mean we'd all we'd all played in bands we were all kind of either playing in bands at the time or like had just stopped playing in bands. Um, so we wanted to be playing. And I think we were all in bands that maybe weren't, the other members weren't as motivated or excited about it or like didn't want to tour or, you know, had real jobs that uh, they couldn't tour. Um, so I think, I know like myself and Pamela, who I swapped, bass and guitar with we were living together and I'd been pestering her for years I was like we need to play music together we need to play music together and she'd kind of moved on to I don't know more like um not I don't know like production heavy stuff I guess like not really guitar rock that kind of thing and she was doing other projects so I was like no no please like you're a great guitarist you're a great like songwriter I think we should collaborate and she's like oh I wouldn't even know how to play guitar now I haven't done it in so long and so eventually like pestered her into doing it in, in like her bedroom one day and was like, come on, we'll just, we'll just play songs. And that's how like some of our first demos came to be was just like playing chords in, in her bedroom and like recording whatever came to us. But at the time we were also playing um, like uh, a basketball game, like an all girls basketball thing where we just invite everyone we knew to come and play basketball Um and we'd always just go to the pub afterwards so Kathy who plays lead guitar came to one of the basketball games and I'd never met Kathy before but Pamela and her had been friends for like 10 or 12 years um and Pamela was like oh my god Kathy would be perfect let's be in a band together like we need to start jamming <laughs> and I was just like I'm unsure of this person because I don't know them and like I don't know and then we decided we book a practice so it was like myself Pamela and Kathy just booked a practice and it was like oh actually this is really cool and it instantly felt vibey and then we're like oh we probably need to get a drummer this makes sense and Pamela and Rachel both knew uh or sorry Pamela and Kathy both knew Rachel the drummer for years and years as well and they're and I didn't know her I'd met her one time but I didn't know her and they were like yeah yeah she's perfect we'll get her in and I remember like the first time the four of us were in the room together it was like oh this is working really well I don't know if it was just like the dynamic or it was like a sense of comfort instantly between us all it was like yeah this could work we could travel together we could be in a small space together for a long period of time and we seem to be able to play music together so this was working and then like I think we recorded or no we played our first gig then like three weeks later wow okay (laughs) amazing (laughs) Yeah, it was a whirlwind. It really was. Like it felt it just felt so right at the from the very beginning. So we were like, Yeah, let's just do it. We're all in Dublin. I think Kathy had just come back from traveling like a month before as well. So it's like, right, we're all here, right in the moment. We can do this. Let's let's just jump for it and do it. And now fast forward to now where you like hate 
spending time together. Oh, or, um... hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, completely. <laughs> but no, that's that's so cool. I'm so it's always amazing to hear when people say like it just clicked on a level that is like not just like yeah, it just clicks. You can't explain how it does, and you try, but you can't. It's yeah, just... like it definitely wasn't even a music thing by any means. Like I know Kathy and Rachel would be way more like musical academically speaking like they know why they're doing the things that they're doing myself and Pamela wouldn't even like at the beginning of Philip Queens didn't know the names of the chords or like didn't know what a bar was or scale or like anything that you needed to know to like talk about music with each other so I'd say we were a nightmare to be in a band with but like (laughs) Kathy and Rachel were like okay we'll persist because this seems to be going somewhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so have you had to like um catch up or is it oh just... totally i mean kathy gives us lessons that's like, amazing. Like, Can you that think is... you just yeah. do this? that's so cool <laughs> that it's like pushing you on as well at like for your playing there's so i feel like they've got so many friends that like are incredible like say guitarists mm. but like because the band that they're in is like the main thing that they play guitar for they're incredible but in like a very small like thing that they do so it's yeah it's like no like this is why this works or like this note almost works but this is why it doesn't there's a little twang off so yeah go down here this is where it will work it's fascinating really i never knew any of this existed (laughs) and i'm sure that there's times where she's like wow that should not work but it's like perfect yeah i think like they say they don't know if we're like geniuses are just like completely <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> like no i think i'm definitely just lucky <laughs> yeah. like, does this work She's like kind of maybe play it again yeah okay it does <laughs> don't let me look at your guitar just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing so are you from dublin yeah so i'm from dublin and pamela's from dublin but kathy and rachel are from outside dublin um kathy's from arklow and rachel's from kildare but they're both like less than an hour outside Dublin so we like practicing and that kind of thing has never been an issue yeah but obviously now with lockdown we haven't seen each other properly well I live with Kathy um but we haven't seen the others for way too long and we miss yeah. each other dreadfully that's nice that's nice yeah. that's um so how was that how was did you was was Dublin and like great are you glad you grew up in the city and has that like been great do you think for you yeah I think so it's I've had a love-hate relationship with Dublin but no I do think so I think it's really shaped a lot of things about me um I was listening to the episode that you did with Eddie Eddie from the number one yeah, and yeah. crowd control and it's funny because I know Eddie like to talk to but like I wouldn't know him too well and I just I assumed he like grew up in Dublin and he kind of like formed the scene that I fell into. But like, I realized that he also kind of fell into it as well. And I'm like, I probably don't know half of what I think I know about like my experience growing up in Dublin. I've just assumed that these communities already existed. They like existed for as long as, as music has ever existed. And I just fell into them. But like, I think, yeah, it was like a really, interesting time when I got into music it was like I think hardcore was the the main genre that was happening definitely in like underground music in Dublin yeah and so I was like 
oh, this is cool. And I love this so much. And I love the, especially the community element of it. But I don't want to play in a hardcore band. So yeah. I didn't really have that inspiration. I was like, mm, maybe. And I dabbled a little bit. I did like some vocals in, in a band, like, but it didn't really work. And I was like, I do like playing music and I really like this community. And then there was sort of a sprinkling of acoustic and like folk pop and stuff that emerged. And I was like, yeah. I love this. This is cool. So when I was like 17 or 18, I was like, yeah, this is the kind of thing I want to do. And uh, yeah, it kind of went from there. But like, yeah, so my interaction with Dublin probably only started from there, from kind of interacting with like a hardcore scene, like community element. Otherwise, it's just been like school and, you know, family and that kind of thing, which could exist anywhere. But like Dublin as a city was through like hardcore think yeah that's so so interesting i guess like that scene was like thriving especially like then and you know mm. probably still is but like even like um like i love that like i saw recently a flyer and it just reminded me of the first time that i saw that there was like that link which is obviously like music like friends and like to turn out like relatives but like the, I, eddie put like some some flyers up of like crowd control and heathers playing the sh- same shows and for me like yeah. that would be like you know, like, obviously you've heard that podcast where I, like, fucking just pour out my heart out for how much <laughs> I love crowd control. But, like, also, like, Heathers are, like, one of my, like, favourite bands, like, ever. Oh, same, same. And I'm just, just, like, that is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, you know, that, I, like, I always live, that, that, that is, for me, like, that is the, like, hardcore scene I live for is just, like, not hardcore orientated. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um so when i see like stuff like that i'm like that is so cool that, um, like that's what i mean when i say like it was a sprinkling of, of acoustic folk and stuff like heathers were the first probably the first women i i saw on stage and i was like oh wow this is possible this is a thing i could potentially do because i've been playing guitar since i was a teenager but i never thought of myself up on stage ever um and then when I saw Heather's play, yeah, like a hardcore show or like a, a really, I was going to say like pop punk, but like they, they used to do, uh, Eddie mentioned the like scout hall gigs. They also did gigs and like on the beach and like abandoned, uh, abandoned tea rooms out in like the coast of South Dublin. And I remember going to those and just being like, this is so cool. This is exactly what I want to be doing. Um, and yeah, like the first, gigs I ever played were I pr- were probably alongside hardcore bands but like I was playing in an acoustic two-piece. Oh amazing can you tell me more about the acoustic two-piece that you were doing? Yeah I mean we played I think we were like six years going we eventually I think we were maybe a year as an acoustic two-piece so we were called Kate's Party. Oh, okay yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah we we uh, evolved into a four-piece then and it was kind of more like pop punk stuff that we did but at the beginning it was like pure acoustic and we were I can't remember the first show was we played with I Call Fives who were like a pop punk band and we played in Dublin and with them and Young Wolves who were like another pop punk band Um, and then we just opened the show as like an acoustic two-piece but it was so cool it just like you instantly felt a part of a community yeah that's so amazing because especially like um like coming from London there was just so many different 
scenes that like should have just been like one thing that like kind of like went into each other but like it was like for some people it was very much like different scenes yeah like, for me I think I, I always think I'm so fortunate that I was just like why would I be dictated on like this record because my friends here like it when this record is sick and like my other friends mm-hmm. but like I just love the fact that like yeah Dublin was just like you felt so comfortable doing that that thing like you found where you felt comfortable straight away yeah like playing that music right with and so was it a natural process to get like more people in with Kate's party it was because of the music that we listened to I think like the majority of of stuff that myself and and Neve who also was uh, in the band that we listened to like a lot of I think probably just a lot of pop punk really um, so it was like, yeah, we need to turn this band into like early Tiger's Jaw or like a man overboard band. Um, it made sense that we'd get bass and drums. Like I'd never played an electric guitar before. And we recruited the two other members and we went to a practice space and I plugged an electric guitar that I'd gotten a lend of into an amp and it just was feeding back and feeding back and I couldn't stop it and I was sweating. And I was so stressed out because I was like, they're not going to think that I know what I'm doing. This is terrible. They're not going to want to be in this band because I'm an idiot. <laughs> they were just so kind about it. They were like, yeah, just do this. Like, try this. Turn this down. Like, stop facing your amp with your guitar. You'll be fine. And it was like, that, again, was like a learning process for me as well. But it was a really nice environment to learn in. Yeah. That's so nice, isn't it? That's, I just, yeah, it's so nice when you find those people that are like, yeah. you're just like, oh, you know, you could have got the fear and never and just stayed the two of you forever and then oh, like, completely, or just like never played again <laughs> yeah. but it's just like oh well this one you know the people that were in this practice room before clearly didn't understand their tone, e- yeah. tone at all which is like fine for them because they're doing like this like all these grunge covers but like if you just turn this for some reason this is at 11 so you just turn that down yeah. and then <laughs> next time you walk in a room you're like cool i'll you look at it and you're like cool I'll turn that down yeah but it seems so complicated when you haven't done it before it seems so daunting you're just like how would I possibly learn how to do any of this and then you're shown one time and you're like oh yeah okay cool that's fine yeah yeah and then like you said earlier with pillow queens like half the band has like learned in this formal way so they learn in this like structured way where I feel like when I'm listening to you say that I'm thinking like the way that I've learned and maybe the same for you, it's like, it's a jigsaw where like, you know that this works for this and this works for that. But like, it's not, you're going from A to D without B and C, but you might learn C later on and then it all comes together at some point, but it's not like formal structure. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And sometimes I think it would be easier if I knew what B and C were, but then at the same time, I'm like, I find D really interesting when it's going straight from A. You're just like, oh my God, my mind is completely blown. Like it doesn't feel like a process. It just feels like you've had this discovery. Like suddenly it's like, oh my God, wow, I know how to do this now. Whoa, this happened. Yeah. Incredible. And like B and C wasn't important to Kate's party. Oh and no, like, not at all. Also, <laughs> like you, it, and like what you brought to like Pillow Queens later on, like, you might not have known if you'd known B and C because you might have bypassed certain things as well. Yeah. 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 So, um, like I, I text, um, 
Kate Flynn when I was like yesterday and I was like, oh, I'm doing this podcast with Sarah. Like, is there anything that you think I should ask? And she was just like, oh, I've not really got anything to ask. But like, um, obviously, like Kate's party, I just like was so inspiring for me and like oh. a lot of other people. It was like incredible and like really helped me as like, you know, and stuff like that. So I guess that's not really a question. But the like, winter passing are absolutely killing it. Like I, their their new single's incredible, but it's also doing like really well on kind of like mainstream Irish radio, which is like okay, cool. It's about time this is happening. So it's like really <laughs> nice to hear that their their songs on on radio. Really cool. That is good because it was like something that I was going to come on to, but like um, I feel like Pillow Queens. Yeah when that started to like, I feel like it was part of like, maybe not a scene, but like a, like Dublin and like Ireland in general has really got this like amazing thing going on in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. And obviously like me, like being really good friends with like the winter passing, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like interesting to me because like, I wonder if the winter passing is like, because it's been going for an extra five years, mm-hmm. we'll like miss miss certain parts of that because they're a band that's been going like you know it's not got that new band kind of buzz um but they're like inspiring so many other bands as well I think like that's even like with with me because I'm like okay when I was playing in Kate's Party and I was like right we're going for six years and then I was like oh we should probably like finish this up because we've been going for six years and like some of these songs are old and like maybe we don't have the same fans as we did when when we started and that kind of thing and then you're like, oh, but like you can still evolve as a band and like progress as a band. And like, I know they've been through like different members, with like people emigrating and that kind of thing. And, you know, it, it didn't really phase them or at least it didn't appear to phase them. It was just like, nope, we're going to keep going. Like we want to do this. This is important to us. And yeah. it's important to so many other people that like, yeah, we're going to keep going. And I think that's really important because especially in, I know in like, Ireland and, and I know in the UK but like maybe it's not as as much in, in other European cities but like you can't really be a musician like you're not that's not your job it can't be like your main source of income it's not like a real job it's not like a profession because it's just so difficult to make ends meet if that is your profession so like to keep continuing it on past like your early 20s or like I mean your your teens your late teens is like it's kind of difficult to do that. It's difficult to make the decision to go, no, I'm, I'm going to keep at this actually. It's not like I'm not doing it because I want to make it. I'm not doing it because I want to be like, I want my friends to think I'm cool. I'm not doing it because I want to be a celebrity or I'm, I'm doing it because I just really enjoy doing it. And I think that it's a, it's just a good thing to do. And I feel like Kate and Rob and like the rest of the winter passing like, do that. And like Marty, who like plays in winter passing and Anna's anchor, like he does that. He just like, grabs it with both hands and I love that I think that's super inspiring and it's like to me and probably like hundreds thousands of other people yeah yeah I mean definitely agree but I'm also interested that when I said how inspiring you was to Kate you just said you just pushed it back (laughs) about how inspiring Kate was (laughs) well we're kind of like we're passing the bat on back and forth like right you go for it, you go for it, you go for it, no, you go for it. I think, no, I mean, it is important. I think especially, like, I don't want to be banging the same drum again and again, but, like, female representation on stage is so important, and especially when you're young and, like, 
all of the main acts you hear on the radio and on TV are like all men or like male singer songwriters or, you know, whatever. And you don't really see female representation or the only female representation you see is like a pop star who has like a huge team around her. And like, how could I ever do that? You know, I need to be discovered. So like female representation, especially in like a DIY sense is so important because it's like, oh, you want to do it? You can do it. There's like nobody going to stand in your way. You can just do it and just keep doing it. When yeah. Do you think that was a part of, like you said, how important Heather's was? Do you think as well as like Heather's making music that that was what you were kind of searching for at the time and really liked? Do you think that was part of your, like how much you loved Heather's as well? Yeah, definitely. It kind of felt like they were, I mean, like Heather's were special. Like they really were, I think because they, obviously did really well in like Ireland, the UK, and they did kind of tours around here, but then they also were involved in like that Bloomington scene and they like did that split with Ghost Mice and stuff and like had that whole other world opened up to Irish people. Like I discovered like Good Luck through them who were like one of my favorite bands growing up. And like, they just had this whole other scene that they were bringing to Irish people. Yeah. I remember coming going to see them um, and they played like a theater space and it was an all ages gig in Dublin and they had brought over Spoon Boy from the States to play as well and I was like oh my god I would never have heard this music I would never have known anything about this and like through Spoon Boy I discovered Reviver and like how much of an impact they had on me and I was just like they, I just think Heathers did so much and it was like watching this powerhouse just like thrive and thrive and thrive and I was like, that's cool. I want to do that. It's like, I want to make music, but I also like, I want to tour and I want to like release albums and I want my album for sale in shops and I want to like play cool gigs and release records and that kind of thing. I was like, this is really, really cool. Um, but I think they also, like we touched on it already, but they made, I don't know, they made me realize that this typically like bro-ish space of hardcore was also like welcoming to me and to women yeah. like that I didn't need to be going and like maybe moshing or like it, it didn't have to be this like really macho place it could be and it can be and like that's a great element of it as well but like if I didn't want to partake in that I didn't have to and I thought that yeah. was cool yeah yeah that's so so cool and like it's yeah it's just amazing isn't it how like you like even going back like you know you like came around and just like thought oh like you know eddie's just part of this like scene that's been made but like eddie's obviously when he talks he talks about being on the you know we're all on the shoulders of the people that came before mm-hmm. and like a lot of the time we just see the people that are like a few years older than us that seem a million years older and like extremely like cooler than us because we're yeah. young and impressionable and like trying to find our place in everything but like um it's just and i just yeah it's just amazing when like you know obviously at the same time like eddie and like you know marty like um martin like um heather's like brothers like bringing over like these bands from overseas you've mm-hmm. got like heather's bringing over like this also like flourishing like whatever you want to call it, but like folk punk, uh, indie, well, not, well, I, I, I hadn't even heard thought about the term indie punk until a few years ago. So I wouldn't call it indie punk, but like, mm. you know, I don't know what sphere 
good luck would take if I was to like write it down, but it's just incredible music. There's and some I think- like math rock riffs in there. Like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's so much going on in that band. Incredible. So like sounds like Bruce Springsteen had a math rock band with a female <laughs> singer. It's like fuck me, this is incredible. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the. Uh, I think that like. <laughs> I think that that's an amazing thing as well is that like good luck were like able to make the most mind bending instrumentation seem accessible. Yeah. As a listener, maybe not to like, you know, you wouldn't want to sit down and try and play it. Uh, I wouldn't want to sit down and try and play it, (laughs) (laughs) but how can you make the most, like the most obscene, like, you know, all three of them were doing the wildest things while singing yeah. whilst making it pop that was amazing <laughs> i saw them live three times i think and i was completely oh i was shook <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> but we got to play a gig with with ginger solo ginger alfred did like a solo gig in dublin a few years later and she played some good luck songs as well and she's able to do the same thing on an acoustic guitar i was like how are you not bleeding i don't understand this <laughs> sickening <laughs> uh, um yeah so um that's it's just, and yeah it's just amazing isn't it when like when whether like um it's like easy to think about or not, but like, you know, we're talking about how important bands like the winter passing and like Heather's and like all of those bands were like, um, it's just so cool that like, you know, like Kate is happy to like on her sleeve, say how inspiring, like you and your band were. And you're like able to say that back. Oh, so cool. Um, oh, it's really, really cool. Like, cause I, at this, like we played with the winter passing well, I've played with them in Kate's Party and also in Pillow Queens. We played their their album launch and it's just been so cool, like seeing them go from like they're a band that will play bigger and bigger stages as well. Like I think their songwriting is the kind of songwriting that would just really thrive on like a like a stadium stage. Yeah, it's because it's interesting. Yeah, I think that um, it's interesting when you were saying like, you know, the earlier Pillow Queen songs were perfect for playing like smaller rooms but like maybe you realized quickly that it doesn't translate so well um when you're playing bigger places and it's it's definitely like interesting when like i feel like the winter passing uh, maybe their music would like really suit playing like those bigger stages i think so hopefully we'll see it one day but who knows i guess um but um, one one thing that I saw actually with Pillow Queens that I wanted to talk about, which was like, amazing. So I I was just um, for some somehow I like missed when you did that KEXP Iceland session. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, when I was doing some uni work, um, I was like, oh, perfect KEXP. Like I'll just look through their sessions and like find like um like war paint cool and then like oh suggested with war paint and i was like oh fuck pillow queen <laughs> and then it like came up and um that it was in iceland which is like yeah how was that like going to oh, was as bizarre as you might think it was um like kxp that's such a bucket list thing for all of us but I mean, especially speaking from me, like I've discovered some of my favorite bands through their sessions. Like as soon as I see a band has done a KXP session, I'm like, 
I'll probably be into this band in some way and like I'll watch a song or more um, and just kind of listen through. So yeah, we played a festival in, in Iceland. We played Airwaves in November and we had met, we'd met one of the bookers for the KXP sessions at uh, like Ireland Music Week here in Dublin and we kind of like we were like here's our music like please play us on KXP like it'd be so exciting to hear us on the actual station so I think they played us like twice and each time we'd like self-searched on Twitter and found it and we're like oh my god they're playing us on KXP and then we got an email just being like oh yeah we're going to be over um for airwaves and we're going to do like a session in Kex Hostel and we'd love to have you and we were just like oh my god oh fuck like we're not going to be able to do this because we're going to be too nervous. <laughs> and like, I think from, we knew about it for like two months and we were so nervous the entire two months. It was like, Oh my God. Okay. We need to get the set list right. We need to get everything like totally perfect, totally down. And I think <laughs> I'm, I need to put it together. I did like a video like interview with us before and after we did the session and I think after the session, I'm talking to Pamela and I'm like, how was it? How was it? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it was really good. We didn't mess up. But I did get sick in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we're all obviously so relieved. We've got like two months of anxiety. It's just left us and we're exhausted from the adrenaline of it. And it's completely elated that we've done it. Um, and that nothing like explicitly went wrong. Like we, like, we didn't forget lyrics or nothing broke, you know, so it was fine. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, we're so nervous. I can't watch those sessions because I'm like, oh my God, look how rigid we are. We look like robots. We're so nervous. We can't even speak. I was like criticizing all the banter between songs. I was like, Icelandic water so great. <laughs> I was like, oh, there, you fucking idiot. Why are you saying that? <laughs> like, it's been so hard on us. Um, but no, it was absolutely incredible. I think like we watched this. They did it, they recorded it live or like they broadcast it live and then they took it down for a few months. But um, we had gotten Rachel's brother to record it live for us, like screen capture it so we could watch it back. So we just like went straight back to the hotel we were staying in and just like watched it over and over. And we're like, oh my God, what did we do here? Okay, what did we do here? We can do better. We can do this. We can do that. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal. Like I'd love to be one of those bands. who's like, yeah, that was cool. But no, it was like absolutely incredible. I hope, like I'd love to do it again. I'd love to like go over to the states and actually visit KXB Studios yeah. and do a session there. Like I think, I like that's kind of what we we we're working towards. Even though like they don't know we're working towards it. Like we <laughs> haven't gotten an invite, but we're like, yeah, yeah, that we'll do that at our KXB session in in the states. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, and it's nice to know that you've promote like you've graduated from singing choruses over and over to. <laughs> The next one, I, God knows what will happen, but um, no one will notice, so it'll be fine. <laughs> For everyone else, you'll obviously fixate on it, I'm sure. Yeah, I oh, know, it looks good at least. The I only feel- thing is, is, because I've watched it so many times, I can't wear the outfit that I'm wearing in the video anymore because I'm like, I've worn that outfit so many times. <laughs> but I haven't actually, I've just watched the video over and over. Well, <laughs> one amazing thing that actually, when I watched it, was um, on your guitar, you have the like uh, protest I oh, imagine end, end provision. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I thought that's that was incredible. Like, I've written that down as like something to talk about because I thought oh, that cool. was incredible. Like, do you yeah. always have that on your guitar? 
we had we put it on for the we played Dublin Pride last year and it was like a really big block party it was a big stage and we were like this is we need to make pride political like there's so because yeah. I think it was like sponsored by Smirnoff or something like that and we're like oh, we can't be like four queer women on stage playing a pride event and not like have something have a political element to it like it just doesn't make any sense so it was like yeah we'll put it on for that and I think we had like we talked about trans rights on stage with that and like had the drum kit with our like trans rights flag and that kind of thing I was like okay right at least we're sort of addressing something here and then like beyond that we were like okay well I mean we have this platform. Why wouldn't we use it? Um, so just kept it on the guitar. Actually, I sent it in to get it set up recently, and it came back with the tape taken off it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'll need to either redo it or come up with some other way to to start the conversation. But we played um, we played a festival in Waterford in Ireland over the summer as well, all together now, and we were able to use like a backdrop or like a visual behind us. And we just had end direct revision in huge letters on the backdrop for the whole set. Oh, amazing. And there was like loads of people asking, like shouting from the, the crowd, not loads of people. I mean, maybe one. But I remember it as like loads of people being like, what is it? Or like, yeah, end direct revision, like, you know, talk about it or whatever. And we were like, look, we're not going to, we're at a festival to four in the day on a Saturday. We're not going to like talk about this. But if you don't know what the sign behind us says, please just go and do some research. Um, and like, we need to change it basically. So, like should I I mean should I talk about it I guess um maybe for the podcast um obviously everyone that has listened to it hopefully well not everyone maybe most people are able to like google themselves but yeah um in your own words yeah yeah sure so basically like it's for it's there are tons of centers around Ireland for refugees asylum seekers who have come to Ireland and they're basically not allowed assimilate into society at all they have to go to these camps where they have to live off like tiny amounts of money and they can't work and they they can't be a part of society basically it's it's awful it just doesn't make any sense um and yeah i mean our our prime minister or Taoiseach has said like oh yeah i think it doesn't violate human rights and it's like well i think you might be wrong and i think you maybe should like have a bit of a longer think on this because it's a an important thing you should really clarify before you put people into these camps um it do, yeah it really doesn't make sense for like especially somewhere like Ireland that's so you know our slogan is the land of a thousand welcomes or whatever and we have this image as a country of being so welcoming to people and then it's like oh yeah except for if you want to come here and live here we're going to put you in these camps it's disgusting it doesn't it's just horrible yeah definitely I think it's a great conversation to have about um, like so in she- like so just in Sheffield, Sheffield is the city of sanctuary in Britain, okay. um, which is obviously like um, a, 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 a great thing that they have that title. But mm. like um, I go to meetings where we talk about like what that means for like um, asylum seekers and people seeking like refuge and like that just because it's the city of sanctuary, quote unquote, like, what does that mean? And also that doesn't mean you can rest on your laurels. That means that like should be held accountable for that. And I think like Ireland as like what Ireland means for so many people is, you know, like everything down to the flag to like the heroes of Ireland 
like what it's supposed to mean is like you can't just like you I think that at times maybe people get nostalgic for how they felt when they were like younger maybe or like for what things mean without actually putting in the action but like I I think it's amazing when you're saying like well we're like Irish and if we're like to be proud of being Irish then we should be proud of the things that have come before being Irish and make sure that that is right now like you said a, a minute ago I think it's like a great way of making people stay on top of on their toes yeah 100 percent. and i think as well like recently with from from like a, a, the international perspective of, of ireland has been like we were the first country to vote in gay marriage by referendum and we like two or three years later then voted to legalize abortion in ireland so like we're seeming to be really progressive sorry my dog is barking <laughs> no problem <laughs> But like we have this image of being like super progressive and then we have this like dark secret that nobody's talking about and like isn't being spoken about when you're seeing Ireland in on like an international level. And I think that's the reason for like that we'll bring it up in interviews. Like we did an interview with KXP while we were in Iceland and we and we talked about it at the interview and it was like, we're super proud of being Irish. We want people to know that we're Irish, but there's this like dark stain on Ireland and it needs to be addressed. And I think if nobody talks about it, then it will just be swept under the carpet. Um, but like we can be better, we should be better, and we should like want the same for everybody, regardless of what your status is or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's amazing that you use that platform that you said at Pride of mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> you know, like a lot of people, and like I think it's like also like a way to go as well but like uh, maybe some people would have been like fuck your pride because your pride is not like what I see as pride Mm -hmm. but like I think it's amazing that you took that platform and you you know if no one takes a platform you know you know I guess you don't want to say something that is like defines your thought process but I'm like you know if no one takes these like bigger platforms then like conversations maybe don't happen with people that aren't looking for the conversations more so but like I think it's incredible that you were like that you as you feel as a band feel comfortable with each other being like we should use this platform Mm -hmm. definitely and I mean I think like had we not taken that spot like and it had gone to like a straight artist or like a mainstream artist or whatever would be like what the hell that's so unfair like it should be a queer artist up there so like even though it is this like corporation sponsored event it's like yeah but it should also like I mean we got paid for it like the money came from the corporation and into our pockets and we're struggling queer musicians that need it so like why not um and then if we can also use the platform for like having a conversation or like sparking that conversation then great it's a bonus yeah, and was um, I mean, there's no getting away from well, for 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 so like no getting away from being like a queer band when you're like a band called Pillow Queens. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you say that, but I'm sure that there's probably like four men, like straight men, who would be edgy and do a band called Pillow Queens. But um, there was a band. I think there was one woman in the band, but there was a band called Pillow Queens. I tried to get in touch with them when we started kicking off the band. They uh from they're from Texas and they were active like nine or ten years ago and I didn't want to be like oh I'm taking your name and let's not have a conversation so like sent them a message I think like on Facebook or something anyway never heard back from them but there definitely was like an edgy mostly male band before Call Queen. <laughs> yeah 
but it's like cool that uh, um, it's like amazing. Uh, well, it, like it's not, it's amazing that you're like taking up that like very like you know pillow queens with this, and then you had this like single which took up a lot of space in like main tr- mainstream like you know like mainstream conversations about like like with um with gay girls with like you know like um oh, your man from uh uh, uh oh, rubber bandits well yeah so you've got like blind boy saying it's like the song of like what the last like the irish single of the last 20 years which is like yeah, incredible and then um cillian cillian killian murphy oh, like murphy, yeah. just like trying to like just it seemed like this thing he believed in so much he was like waving it like a flag how much he like loved it and also but like i'm sure that that meant as much as it meant to those two people i'm sure it meant so much more to like fans and like supporters of the band and like as well yeah i mean i keep not like i we played a gig supporting stoke in cork last year and it was in a church and it was like not a used church or whatever but like the building at one stage had been a church and was still set up with like the benches and everything like you'd expect to see in a church um, and we walked out and we're like hey we're pillow queens and this is a song called gay girls and we're supporting soak who's a queer musician as well and we're in a church and it was like how is this happening in ireland like when i was growing up and if somebody had shown me that or like told me that would happen i wouldn't have believed it it just felt like wow this is just really cool it's like and and in that respect like i'm so proud to be irish i think like it's such a cool thing that there is that platform and it's not seen as gimmicky like it's just seen as an important part of our identity and our culture and like just generally representation because i'd hate to be i'd hate it to be gimmicky yeah well yeah i think that pillow queen seems like a very authentic band which like for me, like, you know, like I said, like just seeing it on the internet, but to me it seems like incredibly authentic. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important to us. Like if we ever did like start working with a label or whatever, it would, it would definitely be a label whose values aligned with our own. I don't think that would ever be something that would be in question. Right? Like, cause it is obviously the whole experience of being in a band so much more than writing or performing songs. It's like, who you tour with and who your team is and what events you play and like the situations that you're put in like we're, we've never been put in an uncomfortable situation or situation we didn't want to be in but we've never been forced to do press we didn't want to do or like play a gig we didn't want to play like it's always just been are you comfortable with this yes or no if we say no that's it there's no conversation it's just like no and that's great yeah, that's amazing. That's that's great. And I think that's a testament to like the space that you've cultivated between your band members and then like how you've like made that clear to the people that you work with, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we've we've got a great team around us, definitely. Amazing. That's so good to hear. So I guess like we'll probably like start rapping, but like so you've got this record coming out and was that re- when when did you record your record? So we, November of last year, I think we started and then we finished uh, just in the middle of January. So we've been mixing and mastering and spending time on fonts and that kind of thing yeah. for the last few months. Um, but yeah, no, it still feels fresh. We kind of had, we had a, a listening party for the album recently because we 
well, we needed to we needed to raise some money for the album because obviously our all of our summer shows had been cancelled. So uh, we pre-sold some albums um, and hosted a listening party. So we like played twelve tracks to a bunch of people, and we were like, okay, we can only fit ten on the record. So like, which are the ten tracks that you think we should put on? And there was two kind of like old tracks on there. There was Rats and Favourite that we'd re-recorded from like previous releases. And we were like, you know, should we, should we not? Like they're definitely going to be sing-alongs, but they don't sound like the rest of the record and they don't sound like what we sound like now, but are they fan favourites? You know, whatever. So we took a vote and they were like the least voted for. So like people like the new songs better, which is great. That's amazing. It's like such a relief. I was like, oh my God, they're going to vote for those two. It was like, they're the best. They're the pinnacle. You can't write any better. Quit now. Um, but no, they voted for the other 10. So we only have like a couple of like released tracks, shall we say, like the like Gay Girls and Brothers that we released already are going to be on the album. But like the rest are new songs. That's amazing. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Especially when... Yeah, I guess the people that are supporting, like, your band, like, you know, obviously those people, like, love your band and are able, are, like, able to and willing to, like, support your band, like, without even knowing what's coming. And they're, like, excited about what you're doing moving forward rather than, like, those two songs. Like, I love those two songs. Like, favourite might be, like, one of my favourite, like, like, that release, that, um, that that EP is like one of my favorite like specialist oh, subjects like releases ever and I love specialist subjects so, but, yeah. and it's, but it's like so amazing that like people are like along for the ride with you yeah it's really cool it just like it's kind of the same feeling as when we played gay girls for the first time it was like are people gonna like this or are they gonna be like play the old stuff and it would just it was nice to feel the support and feel like people were into the new kind of stuff and like not that it's too far from what Philip Queens are already doing, but it definitely is a step, I don't know, towards something new. Amazing. Amazing. So that record will be out in the summer with a few singles yep. preceding it. The first single is out June twelfth. I don't know when this podcast is gonna come out, but the first single is uh, out June twelfth with a music video that we've made with the help of a million strangers. <laughs> Um, so just sent in videos so that's going to be out and then we're going to do a second single i don't know august or something and then the album's coming out in september amazing so um i guess that's the perfect time really to to wrap what we've um we've been talking about but thank you so much for taking the time to thanks for having me really enjoyed it yeah chew the fat with me i appreciate that that's been great cool so there was my conversation with Sarah. Um, we are ending this podcast with their Pillow Queen's amazing song, Gay Girls, um, which we spoke about quite a bit in this in this conversation. Um, Pillow Queen's have also just released their new single, uh, Handsome Wife, which you will be able to find online. Um, take care of yourself. Catch you soon. <laughs>